Episode 183, Hidden Healthcare Costs. Today, I speak with Joe Murad, President and CEO of PocketDoc. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. I was reading that Forbes article that came out the other day. It said 44% of Americans skip doctor visits or medical care due to cost. Here's my point. There could be two prongs to this or two root causes. One of them is that the costs are too high. And yeah, they're high. Even more distressing when you consider that only a dime on every dollar spent on healthcare goes to the physician or nurse or person actually providing the care. So much of the dollar spent is chewed up by invisible middle people, adding questionable value to patient care. But here's another prong or another root cause that you may or may not have thought of. I'm Remembering back to one of my marketing classes ages ago, there was this case study about classified ads. And it turned out that classified ads that listed the price were something like, I'm making up this number, 50% more successful than those that did not list the price. If there's no price, consumers just assume that the price is too high. And consumers are consumers whether they're buying a used lawnmower or medical care. They simply assume the cost is too high when the price tag is turned under. And actually, it's even worse with medical care because if you buy it, you don't actually get the price until you're obligated to pay for it. That's risky. And it might be a risk that the 44% of the people in that Forbes survey or some percentage therein have decided is too risky. Today, I speak about the hidden costs and frictions in healthcare with Joe Murad, who is the president and CEO of PocketDoc. We talk about how those high costs and frictions not only reduce patient outcomes, but also make being a healthcare consumer a less than, let's just say, optimal experience. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Just one note. On June 14th and 15th this year, 2018, I will be at the Pharma Engagement Technology Summit in Summit, New Jersey, coincidentally. I will be looking to try to understand the ways that pharma companies are looking to leverage technology in order to meet payer and provider expectations and better serve patients. Find more info about the conference at panagorapharma.com. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Joe. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Obviously, we don't have ubiquitous semantic interoperability today. Like, where do you see the biggest breakdowns in communication? I guess I feel fairly strongly that we just simply need to reduce the friction by removing unnecessary intermediaries that really increase costs and increase risks for that matter and erode the quality experience from a consumer's perspective. I look at it as kind of e-commerce for healthcare. If we can strip out some of those intermediaries that are either inflating the true cost or causing unnecessary friction, we need to contemplate and find innovative ways to do so. 
So I, I look at it through the lens of we kind of have this healthcare value chain, right? And we have sponsors, and, and my definition of sponsors is, is it's employers of varying sizes, the federal and state governments that are backstopping some of this risk, and then you and I as participants who are shouldering an increasingly larger percentage of the, the load as those dollars have gotten shifted over to high deductible health plans or employers that just frankly, that the pace of healthcare inflation is outpacing the, the profit of those organizations. So they're shifting those dollars to individuals to assume a larger role. So they're becoming more cognizant of what the true expense is. That's in what I look at through the lens of a, as a participant, how do we reduce that existing friction by stripping out those intermediaries to have a better experience? And then from the provider's perspective, and really the sponsor, how do we effectively compress the flow of funds by stripping out those inefficiencies? So the providers get paid faster and we can drive down costs of the healthcare for those sponsors and really improve the experience for the patient and the potential outcome. You've mentioned the term intermediaries a couple of times. Who are you talking about there? For instance, a lot of the clearinghouse services, for instance, last year, I believe, according to the IDC, there were 15 billion faxes. There was 375 billion in paper waste from carriers and payers, according to BMC research. And not just the associated expense and you know effect of using these antiquated processes, but really it's a security concern as well. So how do we strip out these unnecessary processes through these intermediaries by automating or digitizing some of those processes. Tell me about the day that you realized that. Where were you having a conversation where you're like, holy cow, this sucks for a consumer? Well, I mean, we're all consumers. And I was probably one of the knuckleheads that adopted the high deductible health plan with two small kids early (laughs) and quickly blew through it. I realized, one, I didn't know what any of the costs associated with healthcare are. And I come from a family of physicians that have been in the healthcare marketplace for, you know, the better part of my career. So I look at it and it's such a simple view in the healthcare value chain. How do I compress the flow of funds so the provider actually who's giving you, who's delivering those services gets paid? Because today, not only as a consumer do I not know what I'm paying for, but then the provider who's providing that service obviously is is getting paid 120 days later as it sits in AR or even longer. So those that actually have some sort of episode of care, what is the transparency around understanding what I'm paying for? How do I go schedule something? And then if I'm going to go deliver the service as a provider, how do I get paid? So again, stepping back, just looking at the market dynamics, it's so antiquated. We lose the forest through the trees of what we're really trying to do. We're trying to provide access to care and to provide a fairly quality experience for those individuals. And that's true on the pharmacy side as well. Similar story. Like sometimes a pharmacist only finds out after they get paid, exactly like you said, you know, 90, 120 days later that they paid less than their cost or unfortunate business realities like that. Right. And and the PBMs, I, I think it's, again, one of these areas that are, are inertia is no longer an option is kind of what we've, you know, we've been talking about here frequently simply because the nature of the market momentum and demand from those individuals like you and I who are participating in this process demanding greater transparency. And pharmacy benefits is a great example. Right now, you have to go through third parties to determine what the cost is. And some of those PBMs charge you to look that up. To look up the information, you can be charged as much as a quarter to understand what the cost is with a drug that I'm going to pay for. 
So we're trying to provide greater transparency and we need a lot of participants in the, in the entire healthcare ecosystem to help support that innovation around just growth through transparency, choice and control as it directly to the consumer. If we're looking at the ambition here to have a one-click experience. Like on Amazon, I know Jeff Bezos, one of his biggest things was make it one-click. And obviously for a reason, because Amazon's not doing badly. <laughs> so that's, you know, clearly something that consumers are are keen for. Is one-click in healthcare a distant reality? Like what are the chances that we can actually, given all these complexities and inertia, what's the path from here to there? Well, it's a step function process. I believe there's significant market demand for change. Technology is now catching up to the point where I think and I believe that there's going to be transformational change and certainly in our lifetime and hopefully in the next you know, three to five to 10 years where you can effectively get to a one-click experience, but it starts in such a rudimentary fashion. So digitizing things like CPT codes and NDC codes And then how do you architect this interoperable experience across all the MRs? Do you truly believe that there is market demand? And I say that because one of the often cited quotes I hear is that, you know, healthcare is not a real marketplace because the ultimate consumer of the healthcare is, generally speaking, not the one that's bearing the full burden. And I would overlay that with everything that we're just talking about here. If there's this information asymmetry, like i.e. you have no idea what you just put in your shopping cart, how much that costs until 120 days later, and maybe you do give it a good college try to try to figure it out and you get people looking at you cross-eyed and treating you like a troublemaker (laughs) while you're in a moment (laughs) of needing care. When or how much or what are the the chances that consumers are, if, if consumers are the driving force, is there any other elements that are providing momentum here or, or is the burden kind of on the consumer to make this happen? I appreciate your perspective. I, I think, you know, seven, eight years ago, that was probably the case where someone got to go see a cardiologist for a $20 copay. That's no longer the case. Right. And so it's an economic issue. With most Americans, I think the average deductible is somewhere, if I recall seeing the most recent Willis Towers Watson report, it was somewhere in the $1,400 range. And I believe I saw a separate report that suggests that the average American has less than $1,000 in savings. So now all of a sudden, this cost shifting that we talked about at the top of the conversation I do have a vested interest to understand what the cost is. And you're starting to see even in families who are going without insurance coverage because they believe it's cost prohibitive because it's ratcheted up at a rate far greater than anything else. There certainly that their income has occurred in the past five to 10 years. So how do you solve for that problem? Well, you have to provide some transparency. You need to flatten a marketplace. And the transparency to me is, is how do you engage competition to lower prices and ultimately have a better consumer experience? So now no longer will people be content with just getting a thousand dollar drug dropped on them without having any insight or understanding that you go buy that same drug for six hundred dollars elsewhere. Explain a little bit more about what that looks like in an ideal world. I'm a consumer. I'm really concerned, you know, like there's just this article that popped up on my LinkedIn feed this morning about how patients are forgoing doctor visits due to cost. 
Say that I am a patient, I'm a consumer. What's the future state that we're gunning for here? Like, what does it look like? This is what's exciting about the healthcare space, right? So we have this flow, I guess, of stages of automation inside of healthcare. And you really look at, we talked about paper and these carbon copies, and then it moved to facts and it completely missed the internet. Like, so healthcare skipped the internet. Mm -hmm. I think it was IDC insights that suggested 79% of healthcare interactions are sent via the phone and and 87 are received. So just think about that for a moment, right? It's a just antiquated process. <laughs> and, and then we move to the API world where you can actually extract certain information and build on top of that. And that's really what's starting to generate some market demand and really new business models that weren't there before. Previously, we just didn't have the technical uh, infrastructure and support, nor really the market, if the forcing demand of, of the market suggesting they need to have some change. And I believe we're at the precipice of some some real monumental change and transformation that we hadn't seen historically just simply because now you have access to information. And and there has been incredible, I, I believe, market change inside of the healthcare marketplace over the course of, I would say, even the past three to five years. So if you go to see your whatever particular hospital system you're associated with, before you couldn't see lab results you know, almost instantaneously in certain cases or within a few hours or getting your physician's summary of notes or understanding what the cost is or what you paid for it. Those are things that are completely different today than they were just, you know, a select few years ago. So I believe that not only are we in the precipice of change, we're actually in the midst of it today. It's going to take a little while to start eroding the old consumer mentality that boy, we just can't get there. We have this apprehension from the existing incumbents um, who've historically not wanted you to progress at the rate in which we all demand. So we're just at a different stage in the market. We have these smart contracts that, you know, computationally can be part of this network. And then you can leapfrog all this legacy infrastructure that has historically prohibited new business models. So I'm pretty excited to see just how rapid change is about to embark in the market that historically was really apprehensive. And frankly, you had incumbents who just didn't even want you to succeed and they were prohibiting new entries. Well, today, there are means to potentially circumvent that existing legacy infrastructure. We mentioned a bunch of the headwinds that currently are around, you know, i.e., you know, we don't have patient directories digitized, CPT codes, you know, there's not necessarily interoperable data. Walk me through what good could look like. So not the moonshot, but like what's possible today, given the realities that we live in? This is a great question. And I think you kind of you do have to look back to go determine what you can do moving forward. So believe it or not, it really starts with just understanding the patient. So identifying who they are. So we're starting to see a significant amount of interest, especially through these legacy organizations that have grown through acquisition, that have a bunch of disparate data across all of these siloed organizations that they had acquired, and just understanding who the patient is, right? So beginning with identity management, who are you? Is Jane Doe, Jane B. Doe, J. Doe? Now that I know who that person is, then understand their benefit design, whether it's medical or pharmacy benefits. And then you can assess the risk based upon that information you have access to and tailor offerings to those individuals. So, for instance, if we know who you are, we understand your plan design and we have seen historically what you've been able to do, then we can make an assessment if I'm a provider to 
introduce some sort of discount in advance of the episode of care, because I think that there's a higher propensity for you to pay something. Say, for instance, I give you a 40% discount of services in advance of the episode of care. If you pay for that now, you benefit as the consumer. The provider benefits because now no longer are you at 120 to 180 days in AR, you're actually getting paid negative days AR, which is pretty interesting to the provider. So then you can schedule those individuals through the same platform and then ultimately pay a cash or a claim management on the back end. So that, that's kind of my definition of a modern patient experience that's now finally being made possible before the episode of care with historically, you just didn't have the ability to do so. It will take probably business imperative to overcome the path of least resistance within certain business models. And when I say within certain business models, I am probably not talking about the physicians in clinic, physicians themselves, who could certainly, I'm sure, in many cases, see the benefit of doing things in a more efficient way that don't require 97 clicks in an EHR system or copying and pasting from this system to that system. You know, I think a lot of the things that you're saying today really contribute to not only consumer dissatisfaction, but nothing for nothing. If the UX on the consumer side isn't good, it's probably very similarly not good on the physician side. And I think that's probably well evidenced. Right, right. In fact, I was just at a, uh, I was just at a, a very reputable hospital system and I was talking with one of the nurse practitioners they were talking about an implementation of an uh, EHR that they just um, installed over the course of the past few months. And they were already having issues trying to integrate certain information from one machine to the next, which they're always going to be issues. And I think that's inevitable when you change. But I just I think I smile because I like the idea that it, we would never have that conversation just a few years ago, trying to ingest information that historically was just siloed and locked up where you could get access to it for weeks. At least now there's an attempt to do so. And that so provides hope. Let's talk about Pocket Deck a little bit. How are you wading into this fray? What's your niche? I don't think we weigh into anything. We, we've gone in fairly aggressively. So Pocket Doc set out with this monumental task of rebuilding everything because we did, you know, recognize that this existing infrastructure was completely antiquated and flawed, as we spoke about. So we went out there and we decided to build a provider directory to fix search. We built their own clearinghouse with 650 payers and 95% of the coverage out there. We digitized all those CPT codes we talked about and NDC codes. We've architected this interoperability across the EMRs. We created our own PCI payment backbone. We've built it, you name it, we've built it, and we had to. Um, and it was time-consuming and expensive. But now we're at a stage where things are starting to clunk over, and you're seeing market demand. And as you know, timing is everything in technology and certainly in healthcare. So who hires you? Would it be a provider organization? Well, so we started servicing a lot of digital health companies who wanted to layer on top of the existing infrastructure. So we connected all of that information and allow them to do so. So we started there and then we've progressively grown into some of these large health systems that are stuck with billions of dollars of infrastructure costs that they're not going to toss out. So how can you leverage that 
and build on top of it and do it at your own pace. It doesn't sound like it's a, a clinical platform, but does it integrate information? Because generally speaking, the reality of the situation is all the data is not in one EHR, as you mentioned. You know, so maybe there's three EHRs that, you know, there's two in the ambulatory practices and then one over at the hospital. Generally speaking, maybe the patient portal, maybe there's three patient portals or maybe there's a separate service for that. Usually there's no front end, you know, like people are calling for their appointments and having no idea how much they cost. Is the first line of uh, contact with PocketDoc then? The patient logs into your platform? Yeah, so it can be, right? So again, we enable organizations. And so we work with some large health systems out there where we created the entire, what we consider kind of a white label patient access experience. But if, if, if you recall at the top of our conversation, I, I, we were trying not to lose the forest through the trees and how do we solve the real problem, which is how do we ensure that we optimize the dollars that the sponsors are providing and we improve the customer experience? And how do we ensure that those that are providing the services are getting paid? So if you think about it from that, from that perspective, if a consumer shows up to a provider's digital property, we can identify them. We know their benefit information and claims history. We can help score them for that provider. And then we can offer relevant price-adjusted procedures so we can ensure that those potential providers get paid sooner. And then they can schedule them across any EMR for the most part. And then we have the capability to, for that provider to begin to collect payment. So those are the things that, that we help layer into really any infrastructure based upon what your appetite and your propensity or, I guess, capability inside of your existing institution will, will support. Because we're typically not, we're not the ones who are hamstrung to actually, uh, as you can imagine, uh, change or, or help in, institute some change inside of these organizations. It's usually the competing priorities that they have and really the, the IT infrastructure that you're building on. Some of the things that you mentioned, like, for example, take the physician directory. You'd think it wouldn't be this tough. I, 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 <laughs> I interviewed um, Don right. Lee, who did six. He's a fellow podcast host and also a programmer. And, you know, he, he spent six podcast episodes talking about provider directories and all of the issues therein. Just things from doctors not necessarily entering the information accurately, although not necessarily realizing that they're not. You know, in other words, there's six doctors. They've got six different practice locations. They're, you know, not all at all six locations. So, you know, somebody thinks they're going to see Dr. Smith right down the street, and it turns out that Dr. Smith is an hour away at a different practice. You know, stuff like that. Like, how do you guys solve for those kind of nuances? Well, we built our own provider directory to fix search. So that was one, that was our vote of no confidence that the existing uh, offering out there was was uh, unacceptable, right? So that's a, a perfect example. And, and, I, and it is iterative. And I, I think we'd all, we'd be fooling ourselves if we thought there's going to be a massive market adoption and everyone's going to conform to a certain standard. Someone far wiser than I once said, never wait on legislation. I, I think, you know, it's all supporting, ultimately trying to solve the same problem, which is how do we have this integrated delivery model where we improve this service 
we ensure that the patient experience is improved and that those are, that are actually giving the care are, are getting paid for it. And, and so that, that's at least for the lens of which I've been looking at it. And I think the rest of our organization is how do you just simply reduce the friction by removing all those unnecessary intermediaries that we talked about previously, because that's ultimately going to lower costs and it's going to improve the, the quality experience. The way that I'm envisioning what you guys do is there are certain, let's just say, realities that exist within the technology infrastructure of a provider organization at this time. They're going to have an EHR system. That EHR system, not going to be interoperable. (laughs) There's going to be an insurer. That insurer, not going to necessarily be super proactive about mentioning how much something costs before the service. There's just these things that are so. The way that I'm kind of picturing Pocket Doc is that you sort of sit in between all of these realities. You're almost like the glue that holds these pieces together. Am I picturing this right? Yeah, the connected tissue, I think, is a a great way to look at it. And So your perfect example around connecting all of the payers out there. So we've built our own clearinghouse services to do just that so we can provide transparency, choice, and control to the consumer. So that's an option as well. And we have, I believe, 95, 96% coverage across the U.S. And frankly, we're ultimately just going to disintermediate ourselves in that regard because we believe that's of little to no value to us other than just providing access to the information we want. So it's not a revenue model where unlike certain uh, individual organizations that are out there in the marketplace today, generate billions of dollars through those clearinghouse services, that's not what we're after. What we're after is providing kind of a flattening of the market. And that's you know one of the ways in which we're doing it. And what does that mean if I'm a consumer or a provider? How does my experience change? Is it simply that I'm coming in for an appointment and I can know online ahead of time how much it's going to cost or a provider can log in and say, I'm sitting in the provider's office. The provider says, you need to get X, Y, and Z. I'll let you know how much it costs. And like the provider tells me or, or like, how does this change my experience? It's a great question where we're starting to see some similarities. So say, for instance, You don't know what you're paying for, right? You don't know how much your deductible is. You don't know how much you've eroded your existing deductible. You don't know if this is in-network or out-of-network. You're not quite sure what the true cost is. That's the level of information we're providing when we see eligibility, typical eligibility information we have access to today. And that helps me how? You're informed, right? So this is back to the cost shifting that's occurred and I'm looking at, again, if we talk strictly through the, the participant's perspective versus the provider, I will be more cognizant, at least know what I'm getting into in advance of, of embarking on whatever it may be, if I'm going to engage you know, Dr. X, Dr. Y, or Dr. Z, and have a better appreciation of the cost that's going to impact me directly. And do you have these bundled up by like episodes of care? So I know I'm going in for the doctor visit. I can type in, I'm going in for a, because I, I don't, I wouldn't expect a consumer necessarily to know that this is like a level one something yeah. or other, you know, or like what the code is. It's a, it's a great, a great example. We have a top 50 bundled payments. So we have access to that information and, and that covers a significant portion of, as you can imagine, of the, the total expense. If you look at it kind of on an aggregated basis. 
You mentioned that clearinghouses are also a way to, you know, let's just say add some dollars on the top. Because you're not doing that, does this advantage providers that you're working with in other ways? Well, that's the goal. That's the goal. Connect the entire platform. Leverage what makes sense for you today to provide a modern patient experience. That is our ultimate objective. So when we say the integrated delivery model that we're trying to offer and really what the consumers and providers expect, we know it's going to be a very pragmatic approach of how we knock down one pin at a time. But I think this is the way at least we've approached it is let's provide access to the entire ecosystem and then at your own pace and pleasure, you determine what makes good sense for you. I thought you were going to say, wow, you know, obviously, if you don't have a middleman taking dollars, (laughs) there's a there is obviously across a threshold. That's something that I know that very well, that there's a certain dollar amount where if you hit that threshold, the consumer goes away. You've hit their tolerance point. So if you've got a middle person who is taking part of the limited dollars that a consumer is willing to pay, then basically, once again, staying in my economic corridor, there's profit that's walking out the door. So if we're talking about doing well by doing good and making sure that a consumer is getting as much as possible for their money, you would think that cutting out middle people who are not adding value would then transfer the value to ultimately the consumer. Well, so you sound like one of our BD folks. So so the clearinghouse service is a great example. It's a $17 billion a year business. It should be zero. And we believe it's ultimately a race to zero because as we continue to expose what that looks like, that it just erodes the underlying uh, support to pay it. And if you can digitize some of those processes, that makes good sense to us too. And then, you know, I can go across the entire ecosystem and, you know, there's $253 billion in payers spend, right? And this just the spread and the administrative overhead to the payers in the marketplace. It's a $3.2 trillion market. And, and, you know, we're trying to strip out just billions of dollars and it seems tiny, but it really will have a significant impact as we continue to chip away with the right support and and really the forcing function being everybody who's part of it. It affects the entire marketplace, as we've seen, you know, you've heard the crazy stories that Starbucks spends more on healthcare than on beans, or GM spends more on uh, healthcare than steel. It's a problem that we need to solve for. And we need to create efficiency gains by stripping out these intermediaries that don't make sense. Although they are big vested interests with a lot of power, what's your advice to organizations who might be feeling, let's just say, the long shadow of some of these intermediaries who are massive and who they can make you or break you? What's your advice? Freeing and connecting the data starts there, right? And, and it's the slow boil of the frog. We don't believe this is going to happen overnight. I think I mentioned it's going to be iterative and a pragmatic approach. So how do you start by just integrating really seamlessly with all the legacy healthcare infrastructure and workflow? And then how do you actually improve upon it? And, you know, there is technology there today that's enabling us to do that at the right cadence. And where can people learn more about PocketDoc should they be interested? PocketDoc.com, P-O-K-I-T-D-O-K. Dot com.
I thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Joe. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been great. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.